0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 28th episode of the Meepo Dungeon podcast. As always, I am Rob.
1: And I'm Anna Marie.
0: And uh, we need to get this out of the way right away. <laughs> <clears throat> my voice sounds Horse. pretty rough. Um,
1: Mine will croak in there, too. Yeah,
0: we have. It's been a crazy couple weeks here for us. Um, thusly, we haven't recorded <laughs> in almost Love that. two weeks. But our boys have been playing a ton of hockey, and including this past uh, weekend, we had playoffs. They had their first official playoffs, and it was just a wild ride of us. Been
1: yelling and screaming and cheering cheering for for you know two days straight. So
0: yeah, and I had totally lost my voice more or less uh, by the end of it, but I'm getting it back now. But it's going to be a little, a little, uh, a little. Rough going through, but we figured we we have to get something out here, so yeah, we're going to do so. Also, today is a special day because it's Anna Marie's birthday, Yay. yeah, <laughs> she's 21, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had kids young, yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's Anna Marie's birthday, and we're going to start this. Episode off with New to the Collection, and you have a new birthday present.
1: I do have a new birthday present. So for my birthday, I got spoiled with Paleo. So that game is designed by Peter Rustemeyer, art by Dominic Mayer, and published by Hans Gluck and Z-Man Games.
0: Yeah, Paleo. This has been on both of yeah. our... Uh, Radar? Radar, for sure, <laughs> but more so you. you. Oh, yeah. You were talking about this quite a bit.
1: I, can't, um, I, I saw it. I think the first time I heard about it was on one of the, the Dice Tower um, top lists, mm-hmm. and I just kept hearing about it and how how great it was. And it, Yeah. I the,
0: think it was in a lot of the top 10 lists for 2020. It's a 2020 yeah. game, yeah. And including, I think it was nominated for, or maybe even won the Spiel des Jahres. I'm not it sure. It was nominated for sure.
1: I don't know, um, but it looks awesome and it sounds awesome and I love um I mean, how could a game with a big woolly mammoth on the front I not agree. be awesome? Yeah, I love it, it too. The art on here, just from the like the box art is so appealing. It's it is. very simple. It's it, just, you know, kind of a white a background, style, yeah. very pale mountain forest and then up front you've got that mammoth and it just it's like what am I playing? Mm-hmm. and yeah you're just um from from what i've seen and heard about it you're basically just you're in the stone age obviously and you're trying to um get your your group or your like clan yep. just to survive right you're learning how to make tools and yeah you're, uh, you know you've got all the dangers of the animals and the elements and everything around you and you've got to just try to um adapt and survive and so you're it just yeah and it's a cooperative game
0: yeah it is which is cool it? yeah,
1: yeah it's it's right on the front a cooperative adventure game right
0: yeah no so, I'm, i am curious to play it i've heard really good things but i don't know a ton about it but no and
1: it's 45 to 60 minutes so it's nice that it seems like a nice time frame and 10 plus so yeah be able to play with the kids and yeah i'm uh i'm super excited i was very very pleased with my birthday mm-hmm. present something i've been wanting for a very long time
0: yeah i'm glad we have it too yeah um so yeah, that's Paleo from Z-Man Games. I have a new game here as well. Um, it's another one that's been on the list this for one a while. Has been. So this one is Australia. 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 <laughs> Australia. From Martin Wallace and published by Stronghold Games. This one, I played. Well, sort of played. There was a group of us. <laughs> I went to BGG Con back in the fall of 2018. Cool. And down in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, I was only
1: a little bit jealous of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And this game was brand new at that point, and it was at the publisher. So uh, Stronghold had an exhibit across from the uh, Mercury table that I was working at, and um, they had Australia on full display there, and like a playable demo version of it, and there was a whole crowd of us kind of around it Sort of playing, sort of learning how to do it, and I loved everything about it since that day. And I just have never been able to get my hands on it until it's, now.
1: It seems like every time it was available, it wasn't available. Like any time I I would see it, it would be sold out. It'd be like here, just kidding. Yeah, here, it, oh, just kidding. It totally would.
0: <laughs> and I'll just read a little bit from the uh, the back here because um, it really explains what's going on here. Because it's a really funny, not funny, but interesting theme.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It says. Australia, that's with a Z, is designed by renowned game designer Martin Wallace and thematically linked to his game A Study in Emerald. Set in an alternate reality 1930s where the northern hemisphere lands are poisoned and the masses are starving, adventurers set out to explore and settle the lands in the newly discovered Australia. Little did they know, the surviving old ones have taken up residency in the Outback, and will soon awake. Everything you do in the game costs time. At a point in time, the Old Ones will awaken and become the active player. They begin to reveal themselves and move with potentially devastating outcomes. You'll need to prepare wisely for the Awakening, and may have to cooperate with others to defeat the most dangerous Old Ones. Build a port... Construct railways, mine resources, farm for food, recruit military units and unique personalities, and prepare for the awakening of the old ones for a fight for your lives. (laughs) Will humanity prevail or will the old ones wreak their revenge in Australia? Bum bum bum. Yeah, so
1: you know, you you read something like that and right away to me it's I'm so curious as to how this idea was formed. Like where Martin Wallace got this idea to have that the 1930s have an alternate reality, uh, like, it have just, like it just
0: Cthulhu. It
1: just, I think that this, I this kind of thing is so neat. I and I'm sure it'll be out there in an interview somewhere. So I'm, I might try to do some research because that's so
0: interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious where he came up with it. Yeah, it was the art <laughs> on the box that really grabbed me at first. I thought it was a zombie game because yeah, it had
1: the big Z, the Z
0: in there, right? Yeah, um, it's not. <laughs> it's about well, just kind of like World War One, World War Two style soldiers fighting against Cthulhu type, big Weird. old bad old ones.
1: And maybe Australia. Maybe that's it's the alternate reality. It's not Australia. It's Australia.
0: Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, but a- <laughs> the, Aussie, on the, I the, don't the know. cover art, there's like um, a general got his. Uh, binoculars out and then in the reflection of the binoculars you see standing in the distance this Cthulhu like in the mist and it's just like
1: (laughs) I don't think I even noticed that before yeah
0: Yeah, it looks really cool um (laughs) I did not notice that before (laughs) yeah and (laughs) so it's just um a strange theme that from what I could tell while we were playing it really worked really well and yeah this has got like resource management and area control and
1: He's pretty heavy, isn't he, Martin Wallace? Um, yeah, eh, maybe. <laughs> the,
0: yeah, he's medium, medium, medium up. I Never suppose. Mind. <laughs> um, no, but you're not wrong. He's he's not light light at all. But this game was fairly simple, as I remember it. Not like it wasn't too difficult. And yeah, I just think it'll be fun. And I don't think this is the Kickstarter edition. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. No. I know
1: uh, Norm from um, Cardboard Conjecture is always talking about, I love me some Martin Wallace. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if I've played one of his yet, so I'm excited to um, to try. I'm pretty sure you have. Maybe before I, you know, but under- remember designers and things. Yeah, so. probably.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you have, but yeah, probably be- before you uh, were keeping track of who's who yeah. and what's what. But yeah, I think this one looks really fun. Um And I did sort of play it back then, so I'm looking forward to playing it. Yeah, me too. That's That's such an intriguing game idea. (laughs) Yeah, Stronghold Games. So that's about it for New to the Collection. We have a particularly interesting uh, Kickstarter to talk about. Yeah. So we're going to go on over there now. And here we are at our crowdfunding segment, and we are going to be talking about a particularly interesting Kickstarter today. So this is a game that we talked about and played um, and recorded on the What You Been Playing Wednesday's podcast, part of the Cardboard Conjecture podcast a week or two ago, mm-hmm. I think. And that game is Catapult Feud. So this Kickstarter is not particularly about the game. No. Um, so Catapult Feud was a game that came out from. Uh, what was it called? Fun,
1: fun Games? No,
0: uh, Vesuvius Media.
1: Oh. Um, I got to be close. There was something about like fun. Yeah, I know. Right. It was
0: late. Okay. From Vesuvius Media. But then uh, a company called uh, Fun Games Shop. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Acquired the rights to it and was going to do their own print run. And Fun Games Shop uh, is located in Kyiv, Ukraine. And they uh, are obviously in a bit of a scenario over there right now. So they, what they had planned to do was they got the rights to the game and they were going to run their own Ukrainian
1: Kickstarter version yeah.
0: of the game. Just straight up, like the normal world thing yeah. to do. Um, but that was not made possible. It was made possible, I should say. Mm-hmm. The games have been made, but they are stuck in... Greece, In I think. Greece. Yeah. And there's no timetable on when they're ever going to see those games, clearly, because yeah. of what's going on right now. So, what they've done is they've done a Kickstarter. So, the guy, uh, Andrew like... Pertsov, uh, is the owner of Fun Game Shop. And he has started up a Kickstarter on for that Ukrainian version of the game, um, but basically with no promise of getting the game. Um, So what this is, is not really about the game. Um, What he's asking for is, sure, we can pledge to get a Ukrainian version of (laughs) Catapult Feud, which clearly we don't need. Um, Yeah. We have the English version, we don't need another version, let alone a Ukrainian version. Mind you, this game doesn't have any... You don't need words. There's not really (laughs) any text. It would be just... just, It's just catapults and and blocks and figures. Yeah. But... The whole point of this is for them to get some money um, through this Kickstarter to hopefully help rebuild what's going on over there because they what um, says here on their page
1: I had to leave like
0: obviously yeah I it think. says uh, their office oh, and warehouse is right. in Kiev um, and when start the stuff started to go south over there they had to convert their their uh, the facilities into shelters it was basically a
1: community shelter for families yes. so i thought that was very yeah. cool
0: and uh so basically all their stuff was put on hold and they you know couldn't operate at all
1: i say very cool i mean that's an awesome thing to do of course right yes.
0: like yeah, yeah, it's far from cool nothing but,
1: cool is happening uh, over there right no. now just that was a really nice thing to do
0: yes so so they've just obviously board games don't matter and they they've changed what they're doing yeah. but um they still are running this campaign, and what you can do with this campaign is you can pledge to get a copy of this Ukrainian board game. That's not the point, though.
1: What they're asking—what you can do, right?
0: Yeah, what they're asking for you to do is to pledge uh, for the game. For the game, but then there's an alternate. Um, when you get into the pledge manager, whenever that arrives, there's an alternate shipping option you can do. Which is just straight up, quote unquote, donate my pledge game rewards to a child in Ukraine. And it's that simple. So what you would do is you literally send them the money, the $35, and uh, his company gets it. And he does whatever he's going to do with that to hopefully help um, fix yeah. what is broken eventually. Um, and then that game ends up in the hands of some Giving Ukrainian some happiness. Uh, kid. And I think that's fantastic. Um, Yeah. So, clearly, we are going to do this, um, and we are... No, we are not going to try and get a copy of this game for ourselves, but we are going to uh, pledge this and let some Ukrainian kid enjoy this game.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a really neat idea. A neat idea to say, like, you know, absolutely, you can pledge, you can get it, but Well, they're
0: asking to be, like, please just pledge and let me... When these... Whenever he eventually gets his hands on those yeah. games, he's going to just them out to Ukrainian kids. It's
1: obviously a situation that nobody ever wants to be in, no, and a situation where you know he's trying to make something um, bright in a very dark situation. So I think that you know, I think that's a great ask.
0: Oh yeah, no, you know, it's a small. It's I I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Um, There's another option here. What is this one? Pledge $50 or more. Get a copy of Catapult Feud Game, Ukraine Edition, set of two neoprene mats. Oh, so I guess you could do that as well. So so it looks like there's two different ones. looks like there's a $35 one where you just get the game. Uh, Or, well, you send a game to a kid. But then there's a $50 one where you can send a copy of the game to a kid along with a set of two neoprene mats and dice ammo pack. (laughs)
1: Nice.
0: So maybe we'll do that then. $50, Fifty dollars, and we'll send uh, not only a game but a couple of mats and dice and whatnot to to uh, whatever lucky kid gets a hold of it. And it looks like yeah, there's seventy eight backers for that, sixty one backers for thir- uh, the thirty five dollar
1: one. And I feel like this just started. It did. Like I don't think it started very. Yeah. Very there's 58 long ago.
0: backers just sending five dollars and purely in support. So like money. yeah,
1: any any yeah w- anything would be an awesome
0: yeah and awesome all way limited. to help out. So um, there's only a few hundred of each available.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting and too.
0: Just yeah, because like, he's got a finite amount of games, made, right? That's right. They're yeah, yeah in that's that true. Yeah, grease or wherever. So yeah, maybe we'll do that. We'll send 50 bucks, and uh, he can hopefully use that 50 dollars to help out. Yeah. Uh, get things back on track when things get better for them, um, and then yeah, some kid will end up with a cool copy of uh, Catapult, Bu- Cat- Catapult Feud* and some mats and some dice, and, and then whatever. hopefully
1: they'll be able to get back on track with making games when all that is over as yeah. well. Yeah,
0: but yeah, I think this is an easy slam dunk. Um,
1: yeah,
0: uh, for agree. us to to do. So yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, kickstart this. We'll. Uh, do that fifty dollar pledge and we hope that anyone listening to this might do the same. And uh yeah, it's for a really good cause, obviously. Yeah. I mean the whole world's watching this scenario. So um seems like something uh simple and Yeah,
1: and with the nice different pledge levels there. You three different pledge levels mm-hmm. of Yeah, there's you know, just five the five dollar if you wanted
0: to send them five awesome. dollars, hopefully help them you out. Know?
1: So Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that was um Catapult Viewed, Ukrainian edition, hopefully ends up in some kid's hand uh, from Fun Game Shop on Kickstarter right now. Get on over there and kickstart this, help them out, okay? Um, But yeah, we've got a review to do, so we're going to head on over to uh, our review segment. See you over there. We are at our main discussion topic of the episode, and we are going to be doing another Meeple Dungeon
1: review. review. And Sorry, what... I was a little off on that <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> That's okay. What, um, what are we reviewing this week, Anna-Marie?
1: We are reviewing Batoku, designed by Herman P. Milan, uh, art by Edu Valls, and I'm going to add one in here. Um, they've got Solitaire Rules by David Turksey. And I add that in there because um, I don't play solo games because we always mm. play everything together, but um, I've heard that name a lot, David Turksey. So I think yes. that he is a, a very well-known solo player um, yeah, designer. Yeah, I don't know if that's what he's well-known for. I don't for, know. But, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, it's interesting <laughs> that
0: a specific designer designed the solo version. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's but, interesting. But anyways, <clears throat> I thought I'd mention that. And it is uh, published by DeVere Games.
0: Yes. Yeah. So yeah, but Toku, we've we've been um we've had this game on our table for quite some time here. Um and uh we're pretty familiar with how this game works now. Um this game, so up front it is staggering. But um
1: it looks very overwhelming when you that. when you see it yeah.
0: and when we first unboxed this and looked at it, I was like, Oh my goodness. He's this like is... you're
1: gonna have to learn this one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I struggle to learn and, um,
1: to be fair, Rob learns most of the games and teaches yes. them and he's very good at it. And, um,
0: this one I was just like, oh goodness. Yeah. Um,
1: I, not that I can't do it. <laughs>
0: no, I just generally <laughs> he do He just it.
1: generally does it.
0: Um, so let's start at the beginning here. So what is the theme of Bitoku? You, we are playing as, well, actually let's, let's
1: read this properly. So this is this is more just like a cultural reference on there. Yeah. So butoku is a Japanese word that refers to a different to different types of virtues, especially those of the bushido. So butoku, butoku is also a game set in a fictional universe. Um, they've got here. I'll see if there's a nice little snip it in the front there are are like that's one thing that's awesome actually i'll just say right off the bat and i'll you'll probably tell me to save it for later (laughs) but in the rule book um there are anytime you see these like purple italicized words it's a nice little story a little chunk of story Mm -hmm. but long ago in the time of our ancestors during an epoch that mankind has since forgotten a great spirit inhabited a forest its mere presence imbued everything with life abundance and peace after its given time, the great spirit would go away, never to return. A butoku spirit, worthy to take its place, would then arise to preserve the harmony of the forest. This primordial forest, millennia old, stretches from the earthquake plains to the foothills of the Akaishi Mountains. The mountains are home to the source of the sacred river Kurikurigo- Kugan, I apologize, mm. whose mighty flow traverses the forest before shooting out over the cliffs of sea's claw. The forest has no other name. Indeed, all forests are called such after this one. It is one of the five hearts of the world, and it is said that in its deepest, densest regions, the trees and vegetation are so thick that lost souls who wander there are able to at last find peace and transcend to the beyond, or become lost forever and cease to exist as the last memory of them is forgotten. That's kind of (laughs) sad. There has never been nor will ever be a place like it. Magical and spiritual beings inhabit it. Uh, Remember it today only in legend and children's tales. So basically, I'm going to flip over. Um, What we're doing in this game is you are, um, you're just playing, just trying to see who is going to become the next spirit, the next great spirit. Yeah. Because it's, you know. um,
0: He's the the great spirit. It's this big um, elk looking creature with like,
1: like wooden, wooden
0: tree antlers limbs for antlers yeah and he's just one with the forest like yeah. just and he's at the end of its, end of his, it's cycle yeah. or whatever of being the, the great spirit so all we are competing to, to take over
1: and the night the and it's funny that you say competing because we are that's the game except the, in here the way they describe the game is that all the Botoku spirits Work together in harmony, so mm-hmm. there's no. Um, but one of
0: us is going to be slightly more well, harmonic than it's the not,
1: other. It's not that we're going to be more harmonic. It's that which one is more ready to become yeah. the next <laughs> great spirit. So it's, um, but every like all the other, all the all the yokai, like they're all helping you mm-hmm. get there. They're helping you become the next great spirit. So yeah. it's, it just, I, I, it's appealing that way because it's a very pleasant, very calming.
0: It varies. It's very not much is.
1: like even though you're playing against someone, you don't really feel like it's not cutthroat.
0: <laughs> like not, no, it's not, uh, not terribly cutthroat. Um, especially for a two-player game, it uh, which is what we've played. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it seemed to be um, there always seemed to be an option for yes. you to do that may not have been ideal, but it's. It's not like you're completely cut off from everything. No. So that's generally the theme: theme of trying to take over to become the next great spirit. Um, so how do we do that? How does this game work? Um, you start off with this, you, with the board, and the board is is cut into about four different sections. At the very top, you've got um, this mountainous area where you're going to be putting these little pilgrim. Uh, characters out, and they're going to go on a little journey up these pathways into these mountains, and they're going to find enlightenment or something along these lines, and they're going to get you points. I should say that basically everything you do in this game is going to get you points. It's very everything point-heavy. you do is points, points, yeah. points, points, points. So the, the yeah, at the top of the the board is all about these um, what do I call them? Pilgrims. Pilgrims yeah. uh, making their pilgrimage hey, into, pilgrim. the, <laughs> into the into <laughs> the mountains um, to. Yeah, I, th- I think it's enlightenment that they're they're searching for or something like that. And then um, about half or another third the way down the board, there's uh, a whole bunch of the yokai.
1: They're the and yokai butoku, and butoku.
0: Um that you are trying to collect, and these are cards. Yeah, and the, those cards are going to end up either going if they're yokai cards, um, they're characters that are going to help you. And if they they're go the Batoku cards, they're going to go on their own little path thing beside your board. And they're going to create another path um, for you to go down.
1: Um, they're basically, again, the spirit, the Batoku spirits helping you yes. along the path.
0: Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, and then there's a river in the middle. Mm-hmm. And there's some worker placement spots on the north side of the river and some worker placement spots on the south side of the river, which is called the forest. Mm-hmm. And then below that... There are um, all the different things you can do, so different sections for where you do your your worker placement. And you're we're using dice for worker placement in this. Yes. So it's dice placement, and it's below each one of those worker placement spots. It's going to tell you what your die can get for you. Yep. Um, and then below that <coughs> is <clears throat> sorry <laughs> uh, is a staging area with all the different rewards you can get for all the different. Actions that you take with your dice. Yeah. So there's just this huge board of a whole bunch of components, but they're all kind of lined up in their whole their own little area, and it, so it's a lot more daunting. It looks more daunting than, than it, it is. actually is. Once because,
1: you figure out the lay of the land, so to say. Yeah. It's very clear. Because <laughs> at least
0: like a third of the board, literally a third of the board is just staging area for things that you can take. Yes. Like different tiles and different. Yeah. Things just kind of lined up, waiting for you to pick them up when you use a certain action. Yeah. And that's a third of this board. And it's a big board. Um, So it looks like a lot, but it's actually really not. It's
1: just options. Um,
0: There's (laughs) actually very few um, options you can take. It's just within each action, there are mm, about, well, depending on how many pips are on your die, uh, determines
1: how many options you
0: have. have. Mm -hmm. So if you have a six die in a certain spot, you're going to have, well... Five or six options that you can do, depending for that certain worker placement area. So that's what the board kind of looks like. Then we're each going to have our own player board. Mm -hmm. And on that player board, you're going to have a whole bunch of... um, Slots. (laughs) Yes, slots. You're right. Places to put things. Yeah. And unlock things, including three sections. Your board's kind of divided into three spots. Yeah, that's right. There's three card slots. Mm -hmm. And beside each card slot is a dice slot. Yes. And then all over the board is kind of empty spaces uh, to put down things that you collect that are going to do things for you.
1: Sleeping pilgrims that you can uh, awaken. Yeah.
0: There's sleeping pilgrims all over your player board. Yeah. And yeah, as you awaken them, they'll end up in your little staging area and then they can be put out to go on their little pilgrimages.
1: Every um, time you awaken a pilgrim, um you unlock an end of game victory point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you,
0: every time you do anything in this game, yeah, you're points. unlocking either instant points or end of game points. Yeah. Really. Um so yeah, your player board is just a, a, a kind of a blank slate waiting for you to to cover things up and move things around as you as you want um yeah. <laughs> through this game and I'm telling you, it's going to be hard for us to explain all the things, because there are so many
1: we'll give a pretty high level of how to play and yeah. like how it goes, <clears throat> um,
0: but yeah, so, so this is generally speaking what's going to happen here you're going to have a starting hand of cards, and those are the Yokai cards, yes, and those cards are the cards that you were going to place down on your player board, and those cards, when you play them on your player board, are going to unlock your locked dice. And those dice are then, once unlocked, going to be able to be used on the main board to do actions. Yes. And when you do those actions, depending on your uh, pip value, uh, you are going to be able to do several different things um, as far as including. Mm -hmm. So let's go through these different actions you can do with the dice. Sure. There's one, two, three, four main Sections in the forest. To play in the forest to play your dice. Yeah. One. Yeah, the closest to the left would be to collect either dragonflies or spirits.
1: And they Matamu Matamumu, Matamu spirits?
0: Yeah, I'm going to m- mess up all the Matama. Matama spirits. That's close. And you can either, depending on your pip uh, uh, number, you can collect either maybe one dragonfly or one spirit or uh, both potentially. Or some at a different discount, mm-hmm. depending on how it goes. Right. And down in the staging area is where you're going to find them. And there's going to be only four available yep. per turn. So if you went there and you you had a say, you had a six die, and you placed it on that spot, you would be able to get both a dragonfly and a spirit at a discount.
1: Yeah, both of them at a discount. Yes, which is nice. Which is really really great.
0: And you would be able to take from the rows that the the dragonflies and spirits are seeded out at pick from them pay their cost and pay their cost underneath them will have their uh, specific cost for that particular one and you take them and you'll play them onto your player board you're going to get some immediate um bonuses for taking them maybe some points or some resources or yeah basically those type of things yeah and then if you combine them the dragonfly and the spirit you will get
1: more things. Yeah. So the Matama spirit, you get that bonus or that, uh, yeah, that bonus right away. But then, um, you ha- once you combine them, is when you get the dragonfly um, right. bonus. Yeah. So it's kind of neat how you um and they'll come off your board. They come and off they'll your go board. Go beside yep.
0: your board. They'll be connected, and then those are also potentially end of game scoring things, yes. depending because you also have <laughs> we haven't mentioned it end of game scoring cards that are going to dictate things you need to try and do.
1: The vision cards. Yeah,
0: vision cards, and you're gonna you will get those yes um it's very unlikely that you wouldn't everybody starts with one you start with one and then you can get a lot more if you'd wish yeah um by doing certain actions so that's the first thing you can do the second thing you can do is movement yes and the movement is all about moving your pilgrims for the most part
1: yeah there are three different basically three different forms of movement Right, you can move your pilgrim uh, along the top. So you basically take a you can take a pilgrim from your board, put it in the starting movement, yep. or the starting track. Yep. so that's one movement, and then you kind of move it across. Uh, you could move if you have um, Batoku spirits, which we haven't got to yet. But if you have those any of those cards piled up uh, in a in a path. On, attached to your board you can move your um your token your you know character your yep. character along your Batoku path yep. um the third movement is help me out here um third movement what's the third movement maybe we'll
0: honestly i'm not sure
1: we'll circle back but there yeah. is one more <laughs> movement i'm not sure if there is mm, yep there is
0: okay either way so that's movement and again depending on your your pip uh number will determine how many movement points you can get. Um so if you had down a six on in the movement, you'd be able to do four movements. Simple as that. Yeah. Divide it up however you'd like. You could put a um couple pilgrims out and move them, or you can move your Batoku guy. Yeah, or... which
1: I thought was neat too, that mm. you can you don't have to use it all in one place. No. And
0: then the third section is just kind of a resource collection area. Depending on your pip value, you can collect uh, different resources in the game. There's jade, there's sake, there's stone, there's wood. I want to say that's it.
1: Yeah, stone, sake, jade, and wood. That's yeah.
0: it. Yeah, so you can collect different resources by going there. And the final one is building houses. And building the houses is an interesting thing. So depending on your pip value, again, you can either this is a spot where you can build houses and or get crystals. And so the houses are located down in the staging area. There will be four available that you can choose from to build. And depending on um, your pip value will determine if you get a discount on building houses. And you on the on your actual player board, you have these little house um, meeples. <laughs> and they have underneath them their cost. The and first, Anna-Marie could not figure that out. The first
1: time we played this, I must have asked... I obviously wasn't building very much, but I must have asked every time, how do I know how much this costs again? Because I'm looking on the board and I can't find it anywhere. Like, how do I know how much a building costs? He's like, it's on your player board every time.
0: <laughs> it's right. And the, the player board or the um the houses are interesting because when you build a house, they actually end up underneath one of the four spots that you were playing in. So like in the dragonfly area, in the movement area, the resource area, or even in the house area, right? you're playing it down these houses and they're going to give you more bonuses every time you go to that area.
1: And they'll give you bonuses if somebody else goes to that area. Yeah, you get if, a you, bonus. D- if you
0: build a house in an area that I go to, say I go to the movement uh, spot and you have a house there and I really want the bonus that's on that house. And if it's your house, though, that you've claimed... Um, you also get the bonus. Not the bonus, a bonus, a different type of bonus. Um, So yeah, the houses are a big deal, and you'll you'll build them out, and you'll play them all over the place, and you'll start getting more and more bonuses every time you go to one of these four different areas. And that's how those work.
1: I found the other movement. What was that? It was kind of two-in-one. So one movement is, like I had said, taking your pilgrim and placing it at the start. That's one way you can move, is just, like, starting it. Right there, oh, okay. and then the second movement is actually moving it along the path, right. and then moving it along the Patoka path.
0: So, right, okay.
1: I had it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: so you unlock your dice. All your dice start locked on your on your player board. In order to unlock a die, so you can actually go out and use it, you have to play a yoke yoke card, and that's just your hand one of the characters from your hand. And you're going to play it down into one of your three slots. You're going to unlock one of the three die. And the, those cards are going to do lots of different things for you. They're going to give you resources. They're going to allow you to build a house or collect a crystal or um, get some movement or place out a pilgrim. All sorts of things. Yeah. And so you're going to play your turn. You're going to play out three cards and you're going to use all three of your dice. Yeah. So once you've played out your three cards, unlocked your three dice, taken your dice, played them onto the board in one of the one of the areas... Then you, your next option is to move across the river. And so you're going to take, and you don't have to wait to do this, but this is this is the other thing you this can do. This is just do. the
1: next section of the board yeah. that we're explaining. <laughs> yeah,
0: so the all the worker placement areas we've been talking about to this point have been in the forest on the south side of the river. Then you have the option to move across the river uh, to a corresponding area. Right. The, they're kind of, they're geographically uh close to each other so you can kind of see it on the board like if i place my die uh from the dragonfly area there's a specific area above it that it should go to and what happens is you uh will lose pips on your die as you move it across the river if you had a six in the forest and you moved it across the river it's a it's going to go cut in half down to a three But if you had a five or a four or anything else, it's just going to go down by one. Yes. And you're going to put it up into the next worker placement area up across the river. And those are going to get you into the area of the yokai and bitoku cards. Yes. And you are going to have options to either take one of the available... Yokai or Botoku cards. The Yokai going directly into your hand, the Botoku going to the side of your your board and and creating this long pathway. Um, Or you can do a few different other things where you could collect a uh, vision card, card, which is like the end of game scoring card. You could move a pilgrim into um, one of a few different places. Um, And then there's these little, what are these guys called again? They are called They're like these little happy fish people. I'll find it. And there's there's five little happy... Hikaru. Hikaru tracks on the board. And they're just like these little smiley face fish looking things. (laughs) And you're able to move them up and down these tracks. I'm able to, every time I usually move one of mine, I can usually use move two of mine and move one of yours back or whatever. And there's five of these tracks. And the further you are on these five different tracks, the more points you'll get at the end of the game.
1: Yeah, you lay out at random yeah. what the the value of those spaces yeah. are so.
0: So you can move up and down the Every game. And the last thing you can do up there is add a stone to your player board. And you start with one stone at random on your player board at the beginning of the game. And it's going to have again some sort of end of game scoring.
1: That Iwakura Rock.
0: Yes. And so you're going to get one given to you at the beginning of the game. And it might have, like, say, the one I have right here has a green and red house on it. So um, basically I want to kind of look to make green and red houses in order to get some end-of-game scoring for that stone. But in order to do that, I have to place a whole bunch of pilgrims in and around those stones. And it's kind of a multiple thing for if I have three pilgrims around that one stone and I have and it has greenhouses on it, and I have three greenhouses, I get nine points at the end of the game. That's kind of the idea with those. Then then lastly, there's an additional spot where you can go across the river up to one of four other spots. And those are in the the land of the Great Spirit, I think is what it's called. And basically, it's what it's doing is seeding out. You're so
1: good. Yeah, the home of the Great Spirit. Yeah. Well done for remembering <laughs> yeah. that because it's yeah. not written anywhere on the board.
0: No, I just yeah, I just, I remember he's got he's pictured right here. Yeah, on that's the board. true. Um, but what this section is doing is it's going to a place where you're going to try and uh, figure out player order. Yeah. Um, so if you really want to take player uh, first player, um, you are going to try to go high on that uh, little track yeah. area. Um, the the t- the highest worker placement area controlled will get first, first player, player in the next round, yeah, but it will be a lesser reward than the ones below it, yeah um so it's yeah, it's a neat little area where you can kind of v for for control of of uh of the first player, because at the end of the game, again, if, if there's points <laughs> everywhere, if you're first player at the end of the game, you just get three points. Yep. And that's a big deal.
1: And it, that's a big deal, because in your last turn, and your last round of the game, are you really going to want to spend a die, like, spend a die to get up there, mm-hmm. or can you use your die for something else that might help you? So, yeah. Yeah. So. One, so- one thing I'm going to mention, too, because um, we said for taking your die out, um you have to unlock them first. Yeah. So you have to um you know, you play down your yokai card, you unlock a die. Now, if you didn't want to lay down your yokai card, maybe right. there's something else you wanted to do first. There is another way to unlock your die. You can take one of your awakened pilgrims that you have stored and you can Basically, burn it. That's exactly. It. There's like a little it, yeah. picture of a fire. You just burn your pilgrim, and then you can unlock a die, and you play it immediately. So that yes. would be your turn, and then you can place your die like wherever you want. Yeah,
0: exactly. Because the spots are limited. So if you see someone is obviously going to an area that you really, really want to go to, and you want to kind of skip ahead, this yeah. is the way to do it is by sacrificing a pilgrim.
1: And you had mentioned when you're crossing the river, you have to. Um, take your die down a pip yes so if you had a die with a one you can't take that down a pip so you wouldn't be able to cross the river so there are also these little uh yeah these little token tablets in the um in the game that you can get that have one, two, and three pips on them, yep. so you can use you can collect those and use those to increase your pip die when you lay your original yep. die down, so you can you know manipulate it at that point, yeah, which is kind of cool. Those,
0: you get those all over the place. You oh, get yeah. them from building bonuses. You get them from dragonfly bonuses. I was
1: worried I was going to run out, but I felt no. like you, you always feel like you I you get like some I had of
0: them at least a couple on hand at all a- yeah, times. Exactly. Yeah, so you're always able to manipulate your pips.
1: At least mildly, and um, I, I think that really um will come into play a lot more in the three and four player game like with higher oh, player yes. count, but we'll talk about that later,
0: yep, but so that's the general idea I and mean, this this takes place in four different seasons and four uh rounds per
1: yes uh so because it's four years, so the whole yeah um the the great spirit has four years left. Before he's done right. wandering and he's going to go off to his final resting place. Yeah. So in these four years, you have the four seasons for each year. And that, you know, represents your journey to try to become the next yeah. spirit. Yeah. So everything we were spirit. explaining
0: there happens in the summer. So yeah. but just prior to that is the spring. So the very first thing you do in the spring is just basically draw your hand of cards. You're going to draw four cards out of whatever cards you have. You're going to discard one, and you're going to have a, a hand of three every every game yeah. or every Easy round.
1: way to remember, you have three slots to three play slots, your cards on your player board. You three have cards. three cards in your hand.
0: Yeah, and then you're going to take a look at your crystal situation because the crystals can give you um, different bonuses at different times. So there's three different colors of crystals. There's purple ones, pink ones, and orange ones. Yes. The purple ones will give you a bonus straight up if you have one on your board uh, right in the in spring. In the spring. Yeah. like make give you a, a tablet or a, a piece of wood or mm-hmm. something at the beginning of every round uh the orange ones are orange and pink ones are more towards um uh, certain events like if you so were to the
1: pink ones go beside us uh, the slots where your yokai cards are mm-hmm. so once you have a crystal there the next any anytime after that when you play a yokai card in that area you'll Trigger the trigger the crystal, trigger the the pink crystal and
0: get whatever is on that. Yeah. Like, I've got one on my board here, which gives me one of those little smiley face
1: fish. Karus,
0: yeah. And I would be able to. So, every time I play down a yokai card in that slot, I activate that crystal and I get to move one of my yokaru.
1: No, no, that's Kadama. I don't know oh, why I said Kadama. Hikaru. It's Kadama. That's what it is. It's
0: the tracks. You get to move. Yeah up the tracks little, by doing that
1: well fish looking guys.
0: Yeah. And then the orange ones, uh, give you kind of like very situational points. Yeah. Anytime where if you, you do
1: this, you trigger points.
0: Yeah. Like for instance, every time you get a Botoku card, you get three points or yeah. something like that. Um, so those, those are the crystals. Then you go to the summer and you do all the things we just talked about, playing your yokai cards, activating your die, placing your die on, in the forest, getting a whole bunch of different actions depending on your pip value Going across the river to uh, uh, into the uh, yokai and butoku kind of scenario, collecting cards, and then trying to uh, kind of fight for first player. Yeah. And once everyone's done all the things and everyone's passed, that's the end of the round, and you go to the autumn, and then you will uh, make the uh, the great spirit step forward, and so
1: basically, who's got who's first player, and then figure <laughs> you out who's first turn player. Order.
0: Then you go to the winter. And uh, you take all your dice back. So this is the interesting thing. All your dice um, come back as is. Yeah. So
1: you do not change their values. You don't value. change
0: their values. They come back, but you can place them in any slot you want mm-hmm. on your board when they come back. But they have to have the values that they have on them on the board back to your player board. And that's what you have to start with for the next round. Yes. And again, you do get those tablets. and You're able to edit and manipulate these pips quite yeah. frequently. Yeah. And then uh, you kind of reseed out the things because uh, you'll have a bunch of buildings and um, uh, dragonflies and crystals and uh, spirits all missing from the board, and yeah. you have to reseed out those ones. And then you
1: cycle some through if they're at the end. You yeah. burn off the end ones, and then
0: same you, thing with the yokai and potoku cards. All all the ones those. that are still there come out, and the new ones go out.
1: And then you basically start a next round. If you have um, if you have more than five yokai cards and it doesn't just mean in your hand so it can be Interval, ones that are on yep. your board in your discard in your pile ready if you have more than five you can actually take one of the three cards you had in your player board and you can um you can kind of retire permanently remove it from the game so you'll no longer yep. be able to pull that into your hand but once you retire it you get there's uh, again a bonus point on the bottom of that card so sometimes it, you might get six you know points for doing that, or three points, or, you know, two points per every of this thing that you have.
0: Yeah. So, um... You kind of get a one-time payment for retiring that yokai.
1: Yeah, and you can do that after every turn if you have at least five cards.
0: Yep, and that's a way to thin out your deck as well, because as you get more yokai cards, they are better than your starting ones, Mm -hmm. so you kind of start to replace your other ones. And then you do it again. So you start again, you go back to the spring, and you draw your hand, and you... Discard your one card, and you take your three cards, and you're off to the races, and you do everything all over again. So Um, basically,
1: um, spring, fall, and winter
0: are super fast, are like just moments. Yeah, they take
1: no time, and then the summer is the bulk of the summer
0: is everything. That's summer is your actions. actions, That's where everything happens, and you're going to do this for four rounds, and that's it. And then you're going to go go through, and you're going to go through a whole bunch of different scoring. Um, <laughs> You're going to have Scoring out the wazoo I'm just yeah. telling you They're scoring for everything Yeah uh, Which we're not just We're not going to tell you everything No That But there's, that, that there's a Literally <laughs> probably like 10 different Scoring scenarios That you have to go through And yeah. we ended up With a score of 100 and What was yeah, the last one? Yeah our last one? game Was
1: a 125 To 110 Yes I, We were probably On our first game We were probably about Three quarters of the way through it. And I was like, how will anybody ever get over or even close to 100 points in this game? But then and then we ended with 125 the and 110. The end,
0: yeah. Just goes boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Here's 10 points, 9 points,
1: 18 it's, it's points. It's very easy to end yeah. over 100.
0: <laughs> and the, uh, the quest cards or the vision, vision cards. cards yeah. um, for everyone that you can't fulfill, wow, that's neat too, yeah. they have um, a negative value. They're not horrible. But um, and generally speaking, like I had my last game had three cards, and I was almost able to fulfill all three. Mm-hmm. I fulfilled two of them completely, and one of them I was missing one simple simple thing. But it only cost me one negative point.
1: Yeah, so it's either like, oh, if you fulfill it, you're going to get six bonus points, and if you don't fulfill it, you're going to lose two. Or if yes. you fulfill, you're going to get four. If you don't fulfill, you'll lose one. Yeah, so they're so kind of scaled, and
0: it's not it's not uh, scary. It's worth grabbing two or three or four yeah. of these cards to try and. Try and work, uh, towards. work towards them. The thing, you-
1: the thing with those ones is, yeah, you don't want to just take a whole bunch of them because no. you won't be able to fulfill them because no. you can't overlap any of the things in the card. So each vision card is going to have three requirements that you yes. need to fulfill. But let's say one of on one of my cards, it will say you need to build have two buildings yep. and another one of my card will say you need to have one building. Yep. That means I would have to have at least three, three buildings. buildings. Yes. I can't just use the one I used for my two nope. and use it for the one. You're absolutely so, right. um, that's going to get tough because you can't do everything. Like, You're right. And, and so you got to manage which ones you're going to take. But then again, if you don't and you're only losing one, is it that big of a deal? You know, you kind of gauge
0: I just, what makes sense. From experience, I would wager that you should grab two or three Absolutely. of these cards. And maybe not go further than that because um, then you're probably starting to play with fire a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you should be easily able to fulfill two or three yeah, of these. I would think so, too. Um, by the end of the game. So... That is, I mean, that that was a lot to unpack. Um, but that is basically how this game works. Hopefully, that gives you a little bit of a picture on how things go. Mm-hmm. But without overcomplicating it,
1: we'll go into the, the next <laughs> That's
0: the basics of it. <coughs> oh, pardon me. So we can go back and talk about the theme again. Does the theme lend well to this game? Yes. I think so, I
1: yeah. think it's great i think I think the way that they've um like actually imported that's a terrible phrasing, but the way they've integrated that's much better yes. the um the story into the rule book. It's like every time you're reading a new section of that rule book, you're getting story, and so. As you're learning to play the game, you're immersed in the theme, and then that's kind of what you're thinking as you're playing the game, and I just, I think they've done...
0: That's one thing, though, um, that would be a drawback, is that if you hadn't been telling me the things that you are reading in there, I would have no clue what any of this, like...
1: You'd still enjoy the game, but you wouldn't have maybe that rich theme. That's fair.
0: No, the theme, yeah, you need to read it. Like, just by looking at the board, you're like, I I don't know, there's all these crazy creatures and... Smiley fish people and stuff, but you don't like <laughs> b- hearing all the lore in the book connects with the board, yes. But if you didn't read or hear that, you might have no real clue what the theme is actually, like per se.
1: But everybody, whenever you're reading, at least if you know the first bit, right? So, like, this is a story, you're no, I know, like, I know <clears throat> what you're saying, and I agree completely,
0: but I agree that it's uh, the th- like we all know out the gate that we're trying to become the new spirit spirit. Yeah. But beyond that, without the lore and the reading, yeah. You might just like you don't know who the what any of this the characters is, are, their right?
1: their names, their yeah. their so purpose. Yeah.
0: Recommend that you read those little blurbs in the book and it really yeah. helps you connect to what's going on on Absolutely. the Absolutely. Yeah. So Good but yes, point. theme theme is great. Good. Um point. if you Read it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: otherwise, it's kind of just a well, bunch of cute stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: so, yeah, theme, read, read the stuff in the rule book. It'll really help uh, connect to what's going on here. Yeah. So, that's the theme. Um, let's talk about the artwork. It is love it. Fantastic. It is so awesome. Is that again? It's so, artwork for me is huge. Yeah. And I buy a lot of games, no lie, just because of the artwork. On a box. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll see it, and I was like, wow, that looks awesome. And then I'll see, maybe it's by a publisher I like. I'm like, okay, perfect. If it's by a designer I've heard of, cool. That's probably going to be a slam dunk, right? If it has bad art, it could be by someone I like and by a company I like. And it's just, I don't know. I might not buy it. Yeah. Really. So art for me is huge. And this game has art in spades. Yeah,
1: it's um, so nice.
0: It's so so nice. The Batoku
1: that... cards and the Yokai cards, just they've done an awesome job with them. Yes. The board itself, it's gorgeous. The the design of the board is yeah. beautiful.
0: I heard somebody saying that they thought that um, oh, it was a podcast I was listening to where they were complaining about the uh, colors of the our. Uh, player? Our players, players versus this, because they felt like it got lost in here. And I, th- oh, sorry, go ahead. But I disagree because, because what I'm trying to say is here. there's on the board, there's a lot of kind of soft They're greens, like browns, soft, purples, yeah. oranges, um, tans on the boards, very soft uh colors. But then so are our player bits are kind of the same soft purples and browns and, and so forth. But I think it would look weird, and, absolutely, and it would look really strange if we had like bright pink players yeah. or red players or green players on this board.
1: I was gonna say it's funny that you mentioned that you said that because I was actually just about to mention that. Where when I first was setting up the game, that was my initial thought. I was like, "Oh, these are very similar." Like, and I and not just the. Our player pieces, but the tokens and everything I was mm-hmm. putting down, I'm like, oh, man, this seems really busy. Am I going to be able to keep track of everything? But pff, first no. first season can. in, I'm like, oh, the I didn't find it difficult at all. The no. Your player pieces are going on top of tiles, so they're very distinguished. Or they're moving across the board. They don't blend. I, I don't think no, they blend in. I it think out.
0: it would have looked... Worse, it if these were different if colors,
1: if they were like red and blue yeah. and but like I think bright it red, really yeah,
0: taken away from it. If they did that, so I do like. Uh, I do too. Uh, the colors of this, yeah. Uh, the, I was
1: pleasantly surprised when I had been nervous about it, but yeah. I, I didn't find it. No, I, I found it awesome.
0: So the artwork is fantastic. Yeah, across the board, everything. Yeah. So then we can talk about the components. Huh. Um, wow. Components. The components. Stellar. One of the coolest meeples out there is the great spirit yeah. in this game it stands about mm, good two inches tall and two inches wide yeah and it's that elk antlered wood tree
1: woodland creature, character yeah.
0: and it just looks cool on the board yeah, screen printed yeah screen printed um some of my favorite components i've ever seen are these um, Pilgrims? Pilgrims. Yeah. Because on one side, you have them laying down, and the eye is closed, and you flip them over, and his eye is open. Yeah. And they go from sleeping to awake just by flipping them over, and they're the cutest little design. And they're actually, honestly, especially this purple little one here, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, yeah. I think, one of my favorite components I've ever had in a game.
1: Oh, they're awesome. And,
0: Your yeah. buildings
1: look like little, um, they're not pagodas. Are they pagodas? Is that what they're called? Uh, that sounds right. But they're little, they're like the Japanese-style housing, like yeah, the they little look really, a- really like ancient houses. Really ones and um yeah they just i i, I think in the dice they're um dice are they're nice. see-through the see-through colors so you know yeah, they I, look like crystally. yeah uh nice really soft
0: looking dice they're they're great um the board okay the board. so this
1: is another thing so i'll dip into the board a little bit because we've been all we're playing right now is um is two player so yes. we're playing it is a double-sided board Yes. Our side of the board is two player. You flip that bad boy over and it is now a dual layered three is, and four player board. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Like so there are there are slots for you to fill in different pieces for whether you're playing three or four. So, you know, for your die spots, you're yep. going to have this is for three or four player, you know. And so that's just that component. That's huge quality where you're mm-hmm. you've put that thought into it. Um another thing I wanted to touch on For And I mean, any cardboard pieces, they're all thick and good quality and Mm -hmm. the cards are nice. But um, component wise, their player aid, their player aid is like a a pamphlet that really (coughs) goes through step by step what you need to do. Yeah, it's and really
0: nicely laid out. It's
1: very nicely laid out. at the On the back of the pamphlet, you've got all your final scoring. It goes step by step by step. On the inside, when you open it up, it's got like all the symbols. So yep. you kind of know what they are. It's telling you what to do. So it's nice player aid. And Devere has actually put out an awesome how to play this game. They did, it yeah. was so well yep. done. It's how to set it up. How to play it, how to score, like and um, the that did it. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was easy to follow and examples. Like I just, they knocked that out of the park.
0: Yeah, they did. It was great for a, for a fairly daunting looking game. They really did kind of uh, explain it, it very well. Yeah, they explained it yeah. super well. So yeah, components really really good. Rule book was rule book. Was like uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. The
1: little uh, rule book got a little bit tough just because it was a little bit of back and forth but um but yeah but the player <laughs> it's a big you know, game so i think that it it you couldn't really i don't know
0: no i can't really fault them too much there's, but a, think, there's a lot of information yeah, here
1: having that video was super helpful
0: mm-hmm. so uh it comes down to whether we recommend it and who if so who we recommend it for um so this game was really daunting when you get it all set up, and you finally got it set up, and there's just stuff everywhere, yeah. <laughs> and but once you understand what each section of this board is, it's like way less staggering when you understand that, that this t- bottom third of this board is literally just an area for, to sit, the staging area f- yeah. for for stuff that you can collect through the game, and that there's only really four worker placement spots, yeah. It's And then you can go huge. across the river yeah. to another four different spots, and that the top is just the pilgrims wandering around. Like it's, yeah. once you, once you see it, it totally, once it clicks, it's like, wow, this is actually not hard at all, but it was staggering Yeah. when we first set it out. But I do recommend this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's not going
0: to be for everyone.
1: It is a longer game.
0: It's longer. It's,
1: uh. They say a hundred, like two hours. They say two hours. Um, that will be dependent on your player count and your first game is going to be long. Yeah. Like it'll be long
0: it's long it's in depth but then there's a lot to consider in this game
1: I would, um i would say after your first like play your every season is going to be about 20 minutes yeah probably right? yeah 20 minutes something or like more. that i would say 20 um, minutes
0: maybe they had 20 30 to, but yeah the the just amount of options you have is where it's going to be difficult for some people If you have analysis paralysis to any degree, you could really get um, stuck being like, where should I go? I don't know what my best option is here. And the actual answer to that is that pretty much wherever you go, you're going to get something good. Yeah. Um, Because we kind of both dabbled in everything. And we came close to... uh, really close to each other's score. And we've
1: never, like, in in our plays, we've never zoned in on, like, one specific thing. We've kind of done a broad, like, I'll yeah. do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. But and it also doesn't really
0: allow you no. to just focus on one thing, because you see, it like, depending on who goes where, you can kind of, yeah. like, well, she's going uh, into the... Uh, movement section, so I can't do that right now, so I'm going to go build a house, and then now you can't build a house, because I'm there, and you're going yeah. to like, okay, I'm going to get some resources, and then, oh, you moved across the river and opened up the movement, the movement spot, so I'm going yeah. to go there, so it's like, it's what do you have to work with, yeah. and you you just uh, do your best, and uh, there's really no huge wrong answer here. And
1: then a ton of end-of-game scoring.
0: <laughs> yeah, pay attention to the end-of-game scoring, no... Read the back of the pamphlet so you know what you're. Uh,
1: yeah. What you But want to try to
0: score. But yeah, I do recommend it. Not for everyone. Uh, it's on the heavier side.
1: Um, simpler than it looks, but still heavy. That's the thing. Is that yeah, it is. It is still a big thinker, but it's, yeah. it doesn't. Uh, it, I don't know. I, Definitely
0: not for everyone. But if yeah. this, if if anything we talked about intrigues you, like I do, highly recommend it. I yeah. think it's a fantastic. It's a, game. I love this, and game. I loved it at two player.
1: Yes um i think it might get a little bit long with three or four yeah but that being said after a few plays it might you know with everybody having done a few plays it might not be
0: but i just predict that i think i'm gonna like this best at two yeah um because i really enjoyed this at two um so yeah if you're looking for a, a heavier game to play with just you and your partner this is probably a really good option yeah um and the price was right on this i think it was like 65 bucks or something like that. But I don't remember um, it at
1: all.
0: <laughs> no, it's very good. Yeah. Very good. Highly recommended. Just clearly not for everyone. If you don't like heavier stuff or you or you you don't like long teaches or you know things like that, this is probably not for you. But um if anything else sounds good, highly recommend it.
1: Definitely recommend
0: yeah. it. Awesome. That being said, I think we're gonna call that an episode because yeah. my voice is just about <laughs> to give out here. <clears throat> so you can find us on Twitter at Meeple Dungeon. You can find us on YouTube, um, and you can contact us on our email, themeepledungeon at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, check out our BGG account, Meeple Dungeon, for any games that you might want us to talk about on the show. We did and just
1: do um, An Excess or Value with um, with did. Jason and Ryan.
0: We did. We, we did, uh, recorded two in two one night. Them, yeah. So there's going to be a couple Dice coming out Dragon. here soon with two really cool-looking games. I forget which each one was. Solar 175. Yeah. And ooh, good memory. Oh, what was the other one? It was uh, it doesn't matter. Either way, go check out uh Dice and, Dice and Dragons YouTube channel, all kinds of cool stuff on there. And um, yeah, we will see you next week. Cheers!
1: Have a good week, everyone.
0: Bye-bye.